Welcome to Cybercast 2.0. I'm your host, James Mersall. Today we have a guest co-host, Faith Ryan, who covers IT trends and initiatives at Health and Human Services for Government CIO Media and Research. Welcome to Cybercast, Faith. Today, Faith and I are interviewing Oki Mech, who was previously the Chief Technology Officer for Acquisition at HHS and is now the Senior Advisor to Jose Arrieta, the HHS CIO. Oki was heavily involved in securing the authority to operate for blockchain at HHS, the first ATO of its kind. We discussed blockchain, dispelling some of the myths surrounding it, and discussing the potential it has for security at HHS. We also discuss automation and ATOs more broadly. Oki plans to use automation to drastically shorten the time it takes to secure an ATO in government, a plan that is sure to garner support from acquisition professionals across the federal sector. Finally, we talk about the future, especially the advent of AI and HHS's research into deep recurrent neural networks, and how its efforts will enable better cybersecurity, better IT, and better care. If you find the discussion of AI especially interesting, let me take the opportunity to invite you to Government CIO Median Research's AI and RPA and Government CXO Tech Forum, which will take place at the International Spy Museum on December 5th. Oki will be one of our speakers, so this is a great opportunity to hear more about some of the topics we're discussing today. More information can be found on our website, governmentciomedia.com. I hope to see you there. Thank you for joining us, Oki. Let's get started. What are your current priorities as CTO for acquisition at HHS? What challenges are you facing in this role? Well, I actually transitioned to a new position. Jose <laughs> Arietta, the HHS CIO, was in acquisition with me. We moved over this summer. Uh, I'm actually his senior advisor now. We did build the first blockchain network for procurement from cradle to grave, and we did get an ATO for the first blockchain in the federal government. That was the first one, and it wasn't easy. It was a lot of uh, nights and weekends. But uh, we are trying to not only use blockchain for acquisition, but we are planning to expand to cybersecurity. So how is HHS approaching security and privacy as it acquires new technologies? Cybersecurity is one of our critical initiatives because, as you know, cybersecurity is important to any federal agencies, especially with HSS, which is a fairly large, uh, one of the largest agencies in the federal government. We actually did approve a concept for satisfying the CDM program under the Homeland Security we did approve a concept for one system, putting logs into the blockchain. And the reason we did that is because we did a human-centered design sessions with the incident response team to with OIG, who does forensic investigations. When there's an issue and they need to do a root cause analysis, it takes them a while to collect the log. We do a very good job with network logs, but when we need to dive deep into the operating system, the database, the application, in the cloud, virtualization logs, email, network devices, it becomes a data call process. If OIG is doing a root cause analysis and they can't find all the logs, it is incomplete, they have to treat it as a malicious activity because log retention has been an issue not just within our agency but across other federal agencies. You know, people, they, per the ATO, per the NIST standards, they collect the logs and it's hard to follow the retention policy. 
You have to keep it for six months, nine months to a year. Sometimes they run out of space or they start overriding the logs or they don't have enough logs. They have network logs, but they don't have logs within the systems. Or they move it to a backup site and now they can't find it. So my vision is that we collect all the logs using blockchain in an ecosystem where the logs are there, are complete, and has not been manipulated or deleted per the retention policy. So when we have a lot of logs, we can start doing AI. We can start using neural networks in terms of being proactive about cybersecurity. You can start doing threat hunting. You can start doing reconnaissance on the threats. You can start building profiles around threats. You can start looking at anomalies and start whitelisting the normal activities, not just system activities, but also user activity as well. So if you have this ecosystem of logs, you could really start embracing emerging tech and start building and being proactive about cybersecurity. And that's half of the CDM program. The other half is compliance. The ATO process is very heavily paper-based. There's a lot of pushing paper around. It takes six months to a year to do an ATO, but I think that we could start integrating AI, machine learning, deep learning in some cases, to start assessing the packages. I know there's a lot of uh, people that want to accelerate, you know, do an ATO in one day. I don't think that's possible, but I think I could do it within a week. So as you mentioned, HHS has an ATO for blockchain. In fact, you were the first agency to acquire an ATO for blockchain. You mentioned a lot of long nights and weekends, but what was that process like in terms of figuring out the goals for blockchain and what you wanted to do with it? Yes. Yeah, so when we started this, we didn't think about blockchain. We think about the business needs and the mission, what will satisfy our objectives of this effort. There were three areas that we wanted to cover, which is, you know, information sharing. How do we share information better in a manner that we could trace the data and have transparency in the data? HSS is so large, we have a lot of data sets. We have five contract writing systems and three financial systems. It's very federated environment, we do about $26 billion a year on products and services. Uh, agencies about $1 trillion a year in operation dollar per year, annual budget. So there's a lot of data across HSS, a lot of contract writing system. And when you think about contract writing system, most of the work is actually done pre-award before you actually write the contract. As I mentioned, we have five contract writing systems, but there are hundreds of other systems that facilitate the pre-awards. So our goal was to how do we have transparency in the data? How do we trace the data as the data are being shared, not just within acquisition community, but with also with budgets and finance and reporting it to GSA at PDS? We want to trace the data. And also, as far as sharing data, we want to get some kind of footing around sharing the data with the vendors, and the buyer in terms of, you know, communicating back and forth. So that's one objective we want to satisfy is information sharing. The second is process improvement. And we always mention this prior in many conferences is really trying to mimic TurboTax. 
I always give this example. You may have heard this already, but think of the evolution of filing taxes. Early 50s, 60s, it's all paper-based, and we still do a lot of things paper-based nowadays. It took us, you know, a week, two weeks to file taxes in the early days. Early 2000, we could do it online, which still take a couple of days to file our taxes because you still have to hunt information down, but you are able to submit it electronically. With TurboTax nowadays, you could do it within an hour because the data are being pulled from different systems, different systems and also is being aggregated. And most of the informations are really the same information. It's just being manually cut and paste from different documents to different documents. But with TurboTax, what they do is they aggregate the data, normalize the data, and actually moving it around through robotic process automation. So you can't really see it, but it's being worked in the background. You know, they ask you some simple questions like, hey, what are you filing? What is your status of filing this year? And a lot of stuff is being automated. So that's why we could compress the acquisition process by looking at the data and mapping the data. And, you know, for an example, a step could take 10 steps, but we could compress it to, say, three steps. And that in itself close to the time frame of doing tasks within the acquisition system. And the last objective is to really look into the prices pay on what we are buying. As I mentioned, we spend about $25, $26 billion a year on products and services. There's an opportunity to leverage buying power for the agency. For example, if I'm buying Adobe Pro for $80 per license and you're buying it for $30 per license, we can negotiate for a better price. But you can't come to a table and negotiate with a vendor without insight into what you're spending, what are, you know, because a lot of time we do buy a lot of licenses without using it because we have little insight and there's a lot of overlaps. There's no acquisition life cycle of an IT spending and the IT spending starts with purchase, with acquisition. You buy the uh, licenses, it goes through the whole life cycle of usage and then it comes back out for decommissioning or closing out the contract. Having that insight is very powerful for us within the agency. It sounds like whether it's looking at uh, automation or cybersecurity or even acquisition, having that data and being able to understand it easily is critical. So as you mentioned, there's the large amount of data that HHS works with. I guess the term is data lakes. How do you go about protecting that data and making sure that the people who have access to it have access to the data they need, but also blocking that? And how does that play into zero trust at HHS? What we did is that we take all the data and there could be structure or unstructured. It come in Excel spreadsheet, whereas in a nice table or Word document or JSON or email in some cases, those are not structure. What we do is we bring into our staging environment for our acquisition process. We took all the data dumps from across all the acquisition system. It's about 10 terabyte of data for the past 20 years. We basically put it in a staging environment in our data lake, and then we use machine learning to normalize it, basically to put things in the right categories. And that's to your question. Once we know the data, we could actually protect it better. This person needs this specific data. This person needs specific data. This person needs more sensitive data. This person, that goes into the zero trust as well. It kind of reminds me of the goal of the CDM program as well, or step one was knowing what's on your network. Correct. So again, And the users and the data. Asset management, I think, is key as well because you know, in a big agency like this, there are different hosting environments. There are cloud offering. There's, you know, there's system all over the place. 
just to make sense of, you know, where are my systems and what are some of the data that are out there and who's using the systems. It's very critical because first things first, right? You need to know what you have in order you know to protect it. Going back to blockchain, what are the benefits of blockchain? You mentioned that it's helping with security. It's helping with other microservices like AI and such. But where do you see blockchain helping out in other areas? I think blockchain will have the biggest impact in supply chain and in cybersecurity. When you think about blockchain, you think about transparency, traceability, provenance of the origin of the data, immutability. If you think about it, those are all cybersecurity words. What blockchain allows you to do is to have insight and traceability of the data and transparency of the data. What blockchain is, what we use blockchain is for private blockchain, which is for infrastructure use. It's not for Bitcoin. It's not for public use. Is for internal use that people have been provisioned. But now once you are into your ecosystem, what blockchain does is that it have, you have basically have a distributed ledger of recording transactional records. If fate goes in and does something, we would know about it. Not just me, but everybody else in this room would know about it. Or if we want to expand the ecosystem of different nodes, everybody would have transparency. And that's critical for cybersecurity. You want to know what your users are doing within your systems. And not only that, once you have the data of what they are doing, you can start whitelisting their normal behaviors. And as I understand it, one of the other big benefits of blockchain, both today and in the future, is that it's basically impossible to change any of the bits of the ledger without leaving a record of that yeah you won't have the master key to you by yourself you would have everybody else even if they don't have access to the logs say hey you know if i have this ecosystem of logs right the CISO would have a visibility into the retention that you have not deleted something that you shouldn't be deleted the logs are complete you not overriding it that's critical. You have the CISO that would have access to it. You have security managers. You have the system owners. You have incident response team. You have OIG. Even though they don't have transparency in the data, but they know that the logs are there. If there's a need to know, or you know, if some there's an incident, they'll fill out a request to dive deeper into the logs. That's very critical. So for other agencies looking to adopt blockchain into their IT programs, what advice would you give? I would always tell people not to start with the technology. I always say there's no such thing as IT project. There's a business project with IT components. Great you insight. Sh- yeah, you should always start with the business. What are you trying to solve? It might lead to blockchain. It might not lead to blockchain. It might lead to machine learning. It might not lead to machine learning, but you have to start with the business. What are you trying to solve? When we started this, we did a mind map of what we're trying to solve, some of the objectives that we're trying to achieve. I could show you the mind map later, but the technology is at the back end of it. Like, we didn't even talk about technology. We were trying to solve. Well, how do we solve this? How do we follow federal regulations? But the technology is it's the second phase of it. You have to start with the business. And then in terms of getting adoptions, Jeff Bezos always said, you know, it's not about the emerging tech that's innovation. It's the business. It's the process. If the workforce doesn't adopt, then there's no innovation. I don't care if you have this greatest thing ever. If, if there's no adoption, there's no innovation. I think educating the mass 
educating why blockchain add values and benefits is very critical. But if you could just explain it in a manner that we understand it, I think you will get by it. I think the biggest effort that we did within Accelerate was human-centered design. We basically saying, hey, you know, the workforce is building the system, not us. We are just facilitating the bill, but you guys drive the bill. That not only leads to, you know, people getting engaging in the effort, but also collaboration, sharing knowledge across HSS, but also getting people buy-in. They, hey, you know, people getting excited about things that they have insight into and collaborate into because HSS is so big, but getting buy-in is key. Marketability is key into any innovation you do. Uh, if you can't sell it, people's not going to buy into it. People's not going to adopt it. You definitely want to have a problem with a solution you can find for it or you know, be able to meet demand rather than you know, have a solution in search of a problem. Correct. Or worse, you Correct. have a product in search of customers. That's what happened when you started with IT. So you're trying to find an issue. But if you start with the issues, then you could lead into some of the emerging techs. And I think emerging tech is big. I think we are experiencing a big data paradigm shift. I always say we created more data the past two years than our entire existence of mankind. We have to make sense of the data. There's too many data. What agencies are partnering now with HHS to implement blockchain? Not that I'm aware of. There are a lot of proof of concepts that have popped up in terms of implementing blockchain, but I'm not aware of anybody that has been ATO. I think our vision of Accelerate is to really expand that across other federal agencies. They want to partner with us. They could say, hey, you know, we have data sets that have not been cleansed, but we want insight into it. But we also want insight not just within our federal agency, but we want to have insight with HSS federal agency as well because the FAR is the federal acquisition regulations is the same across federal agencies. Having more data and having more insight empower you to negotiate. So the more data you have, I think everybody should be partnering with HSS in terms of acquisition, I think. Yeah, we hear at Cybercast and in our other podcasts as well that sometimes the issues across agencies or the problems in search of a solution aren't always all that different, even if there are quirks here and there. You mentioned the importance of making sure that your workforce understands technology. So when it comes to cybersecurity, how do you train your workforce to be well-educated on cybersecurity so that they are trained to safeguard networks and systems and I, have stakeholder buy-in on that? Yeah, I think I think education is huge in cybersecurity. I think cybersecurity should be easy. If it's difficult to understand, uh, hindering to what they're doing, if it's not embedded into their process, they will ignore it. I know a lot of IT folks hate cybersecurity because it's an add-on requirement. But if you educate them and said, hey, you know, this is what we need to do and this aligns with the missions of the agency, they'll buy into it. But you have to make it easy and educate them on why we're doing this. I think you hit on something important when we're talking about workforce. We had someone from DHA, Servio Medina, who's the branch chief for their cyber policy strategy and oversight branch, come in last month. And he said a wake-up moment for him was when he had a doctor call him and say, I had to stop my job to take your training. And he realized if you're not baking it in, Correct. if you're not making sure the mission is part of cybersecurity and cybersecurity is part of the mission, you know, changing that has made everything a lot faster. So I think having that dashboard and really educating people on that seems to be the ticket to shortening all of these long, complex processes that you're talking about. Yeah. Culture disconnect is a major problem within cybersecurity. I think educating people 
and making sure they understand what is expected of them. It's key because when you think about it, innovation, the challenge is not the technology. The challenge is the culture, the people, the processes. That's why marketability, when you do strategic analysis, you know, you might have, say, 100 ideas, right? You said, oh, let's brainstorm, come up with 100 ideas how to solve cybersecurity. You have to do strategic analysis before you start the work. Is it scalable? Can I do something small and scale it out? Because you can't boil the whole ocean at once. You say, can we do something small, something tangible that I can market? And secondly, is it sustainable? Just because, you know, I have this shining tool that I built, is the processes, are the people in my workforce mature enough to take on this capability? But the biggest part of strategic analysis is marketability. Can you market it? There's no innovation if you can't market it because there's no adoption at that point. Stemming from the point of innovation, uh, when people think of innovation, they think of, you know, acting quickly. And many people don't think of the government as acting that quickly. How do you fail fast in government, especially in cybersecurity? People say fail fast, but I say fail strategically. <laughs> don't You just don't want to just fail, right? You want to fail strategically. I mean, you know, you want to test something. You want to do a proof of concept to prove that your idea actually works, something tangible. That's why I can't just go up to leadership and say, oh, I want to do this without having something tangible that I prove my point works. That's why proof of concept is very critical. I can't say, oh, I need 20 million to do this. Nobody's going to give me 20 millions. But I could say, hey, you know, I just need 200K, 300K to prove a point that I could, not only could I prove that I could, execute it, but I could also scale out. That's how you modernize. You do incremental approach, you do small, you keep on marketing, getting people buy-in, and getting people to engage in what you're doing. So I wanted to ask about neural networks, because I know you mentioned previously that's something HHS is investing into. What potential do you see for those neural networks uh, and the impact they might have on cybersecurity? We use a recurring neural network in terms of if you think about linear regression, you look at patterns from the past, right? Because you're looking at historical data. You're not looking at transactional data. That's why we have a reporting system. We take historical data and analyze it. Most reporting systems will just use analytics. But recurring neural network, takes it works in, you know, in a span of time frame. Like if I see, I say I start my 10 years, the past 10 years, I look at some of the patterns or some of the issues that happened in the past. But I could start looking at, you know, at incremental. I could say, hey, you know, I want to do recurring neural network. Probably won't do daily, but maybe monthly or quarterly. And then you could take some of the things out or add some of the things. It's almost like a human intervention of training the model. It's like training a child. You know, you teach them and then you reinforce. And you teach them, you reinforce. It gets smarter and smarter. But recurring neural network meaning I take a chunk and I get the information in for that time frame for that quarter. And I tweak it. And I do it again. It's called recurring neural network. It's repeated. It makes a decision as you go, and it gets smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter, like almost like a human. It's going to get smarter and smarter. That's why it's neural network. That's what we uh, did with acquisition, but what I want to do with cybersecurity is the same thing. Do you look at the threat patterns? Say if Homeland Security sent us a threat advisory, you know, we want to look at patterns and say, hey, you know, are we clear on some of these threats? Say one cry happens, do we take two weeks? to find out if our system is clear or not. Uh, if we have this ecosystem of logs and start running neural networks on it, we could say in a matter of seconds, nope, we're good, move on. 
we don't have to do data calls. We don't have to wait for people that are on vacation to get back to us to report something. You could, in a matter of seconds, Homeland Security send something or say somebody at, you know, at other agency get hacked and say, hey, can you scan your environment if there are any patterns or threat patterns or anything that might be as seen as you being subjective to this threat pattern, we could analyze it in a matter of second and say, hey, we good. In your time as a federal IT professional, what trends involving threats have you witnessed? What about the solutions to those threats? And do you think those trends are changing at all? I think it's changing. I think adopting emerging tech will help the workforce in not only identify, but also to protect and to be proactive in attacks. There are just too many attacks or too many probing that happens that we need to make sense of. I think using a human just can't do it. I'm telling you right now, just too many. We have too many devices. It's just almost impossible to aggregate and look at the data using emerging tech, using machine learning. In some cases, we will move on to deep learning where we really get into like the human minds of how we mimic, how do we train the machine to think like human. So in addition to all the technologies you've discussed, what is a major initiative or challenge in cybersecurity and health IT that you think is not being talked about or perhaps not being talked about enough? I think the biggest issues right now, I think it's just paper-based. It's just we are just moving paper around. If you look at the stack of the ATO package, it's like this high. It's hundreds and hundreds of pages. But when you look at it, I know the ATO like the back of my hand. The information is similar. We're just cutting and paste. It's just the same information. What if we move that in, digitize it, and really, you know, make sense of it? You could really compress the ATO process. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to do it. It could be in HSS or it could be somewhere else. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to do it. I think I could change how we manage risk in the federal government. So lastly, I guess kind of answered this question already, but looking towards the future, what are you focusing on next for HHS and your old HHS? Are there any challenges you're preparing for in advance, opportunities you're keeping in mind? It sounds like being able to automate the ATO is a huge one for you. My background is cybersecurity. I, I've been helping with other reimagined initiatives across HSS and really focusing on data and embracing modernizations and sunsetting old technologies that cost a lot of money. But eventually, I will circle back to cybersecurity because that's my background. That's my strength. I think I could automate the ATO. I'm very confident I could automate the ATO and automate the CDM program. Faith, do you have any other questions you want to ask? Mm, nope. I think I'm all good. Well, thank you for joining us, Oki. Yeah, thanks Thank so you. Much, thanks for having me. Cybercast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. It is hosted by James Mersall and produced by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Mm-hmm.